upstairs. So sixth grade through high school upstairs, fifth grade and under, go out there. Online, I just got a text. I know a buddy's watching online. He said, good move on the 10 a.m. So if you're live streaming, uh, that time's gonna change for you as well, 10 a.m. So hopefully uh, you'll still tune in and just get your coffee a little earlier because our live stream's usually at 11. So, all right, a lot of action here at Upper Room. So if you're online, you're not seeing all of the kids and teenagers, my goodness, there's a lot. How's everybody else who's left in here? Good? Feeling good? It's going to get quiet here in a second. So my, my kids and I, um, my, my family and I, we, we do an Advent uh, reading each night leading up to Christmas starting December 1st. And uh, man, this, there was one last week that just really reached out to me. And uh, I just want to launch from that today. And um, I love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas story. I love talking about Jesus being gifted to the earth and being gifted to each of us uh, to fulfill his assignment here on earth to be crucified and resurrected for our eternal life, right? So I love the Christmas story. I love the birth of Jesus and talking about it. And uh, so we're going to launch just a four-week series right now called HOPE. And it's an acronym that's based on each of these letters and the word behind me. Hope. Today we're going to focus on hope. Next week, Josh is going to talk about obedience. And then I'm going to talk the third week on presence and presence. Everybody say presence and presence. And presence and presence and presence and presence and presence. You guys keep going? All right. And then the last week is everything. So we're like, man, it could be eternal. It could be everlasting. We're just going to go with everything. Jesus is everything. Sound good? Uh, so we're really excited to launch that today. But I'd love to just start uh, in, in Genesis. Genesis 22. Those of you who don't know and you're maybe newer here, um, I, it, Genesis is my favorite book of the Bible, believe it or not. It used to be New Testament, and then when I read the Bible start to finish, I was like, man, Genesis is packed with so much history, some war, some cool stories. I mean, you're talking like some really cool things. So I want to just share this story about Abraham and Isaac. Let me give you some background. Uh, if you didn't grow up in church and you may not know uh, the, the history of this story. So Abraham and Sarah were elderly. They were old. They wanted a child so bad. They wanted a son. They were promised a son. They get to their older years in life, beyond childbearing years, so much so to the point when they were told, when God told them they were going to have a child, a son, they laughed. Sarah laughed. So they named uh, their son Isaac. Isaac uh, means son of promise, also it means laughter. So, so their son, because they laughed, it was so ridiculous when they were told that they were going to bear a son in their elderly years that here comes Isaac. We fast forward, and I want to just see there's so much parallel uh, of this story into um, the story of Jesus and Jesus coming to the earth. And I just want to reveal some of those similarities. So let's just get started here. Genesis 22, and we're going to read 1 through 18. So quite a bit of reading today if you're following along at home. Uh, Genesis 22, 1 through 18. It'll be on your screen as well. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. Now, I want to point out here, it says this a couple times in this, in this set of scriptures. Your son, your only son, is the same word in the old language as in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? 
everlasting life. So the same context of only son mentioned here in Genesis 22 is the exact same word mentioned in John 3, 16. So it says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Now this is also, if you go to history, this also became the same exact region where Jesus was later crucified. So you have these parallels that are happening here, and this is the same region where Jesus would come to the earth and later be crucified. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, anybody getting some correlations here? On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy, or some versions say the lad. I don't know, I just like that word, lad. The lad, go uh, over there. We will what? What's that word say? We will worship. I want to point out to you that Abraham's version of worship is far more sacrificial than what we're used to. I'll get there in a moment, but we think it's a sacrifice to stand during worship if that makes us a little uncomfortable, or lift our hands during worship, or come up front during worship, or, or, or worship when we don't feel like it. But let me just kind of paint the picture of what Abraham's worship was. It says, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself uh, carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to the father, uh, to Abraham, he says, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied. Now, now you got to remember, Abraham's really old. Isaac's probably a teenage boy. He's 14, 15, adolescent to teenage son. He says, the fire and wood are here. But he says, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, here's a key verse. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And he says, and the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar. Now here's where worship comes into play. This was Abraham's worship unto the Lord. Because we got to understand everything in our life is all his anyway. Isaac was the Lord's. Isaac was given to him by the Lord. Everything that we have on this earth is literally us and an, an opportunity to steward for the Lord. So he says this. He says, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, now that's worship. Giving the very thing that you've cherished and giving it to the Lord. Now, there's a place in the Bible where, where he says, present yourself a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's The Lord has given himself. He literally was crucified for you and I. He was sent to this earth uh, for us to have eternal life and was crucified, resurrected for us to join him in the Father in eternity for, forever. Now, here's the thing. The only thing he asked for us is to choose him. That's it, for us to worship him, for us to adore him, us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we get uncomfortable if we start singing the same song for 20 minutes. Or we get uncomfortable if, if, if it's just not, ah, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just tired. I stayed up too late last night or whatever. Abraham's literally in worship, giving his only son, his son of promise, and willing to come down right now with a knife. And he says, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, now I want to get back to this, but this is very pivotal in this story. There in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. It says, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring... Now, I, I want to get to something here in a moment. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Abraham's decision of obedience there saved his son to the point where eventually all nations would be saved because of an inheritance that was given through the legacy Abraham chose. Go to Matthew 1 if you have your Bibles. I'm not going to read the, the chapter for the sake of uh, reading it on for the sake of time, but I'm going to be there eventually anyway. So Matthew 1 starts with the, um, the ancestors of Jesus. Last week I talked about uh, Ruth and Naomi being the grandparents essentially of, of Jesus and, and eventually David. So you get through this and it starts with Abraham, the father of Isaac. And then you start going through the lineage and you start going through generation to generation. You reach David, you reach Solomon, all the way down to Joseph. And then Joseph with Mary had Jesus. And it, so you go back to verse 18. The lineage is literally Abraham and Isaac that eventually birthed Jesus. Okay, through a virgin birth, Mary. So it says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Josh is going to tag off of this next week on obedience. Amen? So, so here we go, and we're to this point. I want to go back to the verse uh, where it says 13. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket saw a ram. I want to just give you a little bit of a farm lesson. A young sheep is called a lamb, all right? A female sheep, adult female sheep, is called an ewe. Everybody say ewe. Okay, then you have a castrated male sheep that would be a weather, okay? But then you have a non-castrated adult sheep called a ram. Now, here's the thing. It says God will provide himself a lamb. A lamb was born to the earth and given to us, right? But it was an adult Jesus that was crucified on a cross, a ram. So this is so prophetic that was basically he's painting the picture. God himself will provide the lamb to be slain. God himself will provide a son. He's talking to Isaac. And then you go on, he says, and then at the end, he saw the ram caught in a thicket. Later, Jesus would be on a cross with the crown of thorns on his head. Do you see the connections here all the way from the Old Testament? So I want to get into something, some mathematic statistics, all right? And uh, then we'll get back to Matthew 1. But mathematically, so we go to Isaiah. In Isaiah, there's a couple different places. One is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, okay? And it says, unto us a child is born. And it says, unto us a son is given. And the governor, now this is the prophet Isaiah saying, for unto us a child is born. This is going to happen. Now these, there was 300 predictions of Jesus' birth to the earth. There was 300 predictions 400 years prior to it happening. Now this is just one of them. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called, called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many know that those names have power? 
How many know that his nature, if we want to know his will, figure out his nature. If we want to know his nature, figure out what he calls himself. He is healer. He is prince of peace. He is counselor, mighty one, the great I am, right? The alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is my propitiation. He is what I need. He is my provider, right? Jehovah Nietzsche, he is, he is my everything. So, so we continue on. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. How many know that God is loving and just? There's a lot of injustice that's going on in the world right now, but God is just. There will be justice. And it says, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. So we go back to Isaiah 7, 14. And now this is key because it's going to come up later. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. It says, behold, Isaiah the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall, give, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Everybody say, God with us. God with our circumstance. God with us, unto us, unto my situation, unto my trial. God with us, he's here. Now, we'll get back into that. But so here we have these, these, these prophecies, 300 predictions, 400 years prior. Now, I was at a conference with John Bevere. Anybody heard of an author and speaker named John Bevere? Really powerful guy. I really love his, his books and a lot of different things that have touched my life. Bait of Satan, Honors, Rewards, so many others. Good or God, there's, there's a lot of books that he's authored that are just really impactful. So I was at a conference, he was speaking, and he, and he brought out this study uh, conducted by the National Science Council. And it was, I believe, put on by a guy named Peter Stone. All right, so you can research that, you can Google it and find the full study. I read it, it's like 16 to 20 pages, it's really good. I want to give you some statistics and mathematical, everybody, um, I know there's a lot of things in the news right now, one of them is science. Everybody say Science. Let me give you some science, all right? This is a study that includes science. So let's just say that eight of these 300 predictions were true. Now, I've read this before in the church, so those of you who are new this year, you're going to hear it again. Or you're going to hear it for the first time, others are going to hear it again. Just eight. It would be equivalent to one and ten to the 17th power. Let me just tell you what that would equate to mathematically. If you filled the entire state of Texas up with two feet of quarters across the entire border of Texas, and you put a dot on one of them, and you mixed it in there, and somebody para-jumped right in the middle and found that one, that's the same odds of just eight of these predictions happening of the 300, 400 years prior. Now let's, let's increase the ante a little bit. Let's say 16 of these predictions happen, all right? It would be one uh, to, to the 45th power. 1 to 10 by the 45th power, which is equivalent to 5.5 billion miles of those quarters stretching around the earth. Okay, let's, let's go to 48. It would be 10 to the 157th power. If those in the way of electrons, it would take 6 billion years to even count them. Now, so, is the Bible relative? Is it true? Is it accurate? Is it scientific? We'd be an idiot to say that any different. Am I right? Statistically, scientifically, even if 48 of the 300, all 300 predictions came true about the birth of Jesus to the earth. Statistically, scientifically, it is proven. Let, let, me, let me move on here. So let's go to Matthew 18, 1, verse, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. 
Any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God and being born to this earth for each of us is rejecting a fact proven perhaps more absolutely than any fact in this planet. Everybody say amen. A lot of information there. Matthew 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us guys are like, that's weird. How many guys would challenge that, question that, doubt that? I think every man in here would, just as Joseph did. But it says this, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse sound familiar? Isaiah, they're quoting Isaiah, the prophet, the angels reminding him. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now, I think it's fitting to see, say they were married and they did not consummate their marriage because God is more concerned with our intimacy than he is the physical signs and wonders. He cares more about relationship with you and an emotional and heart connection and intimacy more than he does physical connection. Let me just remind you that intimacy is not physical connection. The youth, the kids are gone, all right? Intimacy does not equate to sex. Intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is a connection. It's a relational connection. It's a heart connection. It's an emotional connection. And God cared more about that, and he proves it with Mary and Joseph, than he did uh, before the physical signs and wonders. Now, now, let me move into here. Jesus was born, and Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope to the world. And let me just say, for unto us, unto us, a child was born. And to name him Jesus, or Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus was born, and, and hope was born, not just to, to give me eternal life, but to literally come into my situations, come into my trials, come into my circumstances to be hope. Let me back this up with some scripture, specifically by Paul and others. Romans 4.18 says this. He's referencing this story of Abraham going back to the sacrifice willing to give of Isaac. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. I love that. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. Against all odds, in faith, Abraham surrendered to, to God, his son, his only son, that generations and a legacy would be left forever. Now, let me move on here. Matthew 12, 21 says it like this. And his name, how many know the name? What's the name? Jesus. His name will be hope to all the world. 1 Peter 2, 1, 2 through 4 who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in what? Abundance. Now that's a good promise. And then it goes on to say, 
Praise be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into our inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Last week, we talked about giving thanks and thanking God in all things and thanking God through trials, thanking God through, through circumstances. And it doesn't mean we thank God for death and we thank God for those things, but we thank God in those areas of certain things. Now, you can check out that message, but the point is getting focused on the eternal and not losing sight and focusing on, on what's not eternal. Listen, let me just say this. Jesus was the hope and Jesus was put into all of us. Jesus was, was unto us. God with us. He's, God is the God of hope. Jesus was put into the hope of our situations. Let me just say this. Jesus is the hope in a pandemic. Jesus has to be the hope in our career. Jesus has to be the hope in our family, in our marriage. Let me just say this. We cannot, if, back to the eternal things, we cannot put our hope in a vaccine. I'm, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna go there right now. You can have your own opinions on that. I have mine. I'm not gonna publicly go there, but our hope can't be in a political party. Our hope can't be in a politician. Our eternal hope cannot be in a system or a program or a career. Our hope is Jesus. Amen. Our hope is in the eternal. Jesus is the hope. And for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to us. And when Jesus is in us, now we get to be actually hope carriers to the people around us, to our gym, to our coworkers, to the hospital, to, to the grocery store, if you still shop in a building at one. Nicole gets ours delivered at home. It's really amazing. I think it's like five bucks or 10, I don't know. Either way, it's way cheaper than taking a six-year-old to the grocery and figuring out how to negotiate how not to buy everything there and spend the 30 minutes in the toy aisle. $2, Hadass. I said $2. And half hour later, I, I don't know what to get. Can I get this? No, that's $7. Anybody ever been there with your children? <laughs> we'll pay the 10 and get it delivered. <laughs> Romans 15, 13 says this, and I love the end of this scripture. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. You will overflow with, what does it say? Confident hope. Everybody say confident hope. Confident hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I just feel that at this moment and during all the chaos and everything going on and racial tensions and injustices and all of these inequalities, everything going on right now, there is hopelessness. We look at the news. We look at what's happening in certain states, not being able to go in person. We see the fear factors. We see all of this going on. And there is a hopelessness that is residing in so many people around us. But Jesus came to give hope. Jesus was born unto us. Jesus, God among us, God around us, in us, through us, within us, is the God of hope. We should be the ones painting this picture and leading people to the Messiah, the source of all hope and truth and peace and joy. Andrew can come up if he's ready. I want to close with this last verse. Listen, unto us a child was born. Unto our circumstance a child was born. Unto us, unto our trials, unto our issues, unto our culture, hope was born. Unto a pandemic, hope was born. Unto injustices, hope was born. Unto layoffs and demotions and, and being fired, hope was born. Unto your family, hope is born. 
because he's with us. God is with us, and it's not just with us. It's not just with my, my physical being. God is with me wherever I go. He's with me when I'm willing to go in a fire and go into a structure when everybody else is running out. God is with you when you go into that hospital to do your shift. God is with you when you go into that classroom. God is with you when you log on to work virtual. He's with you wherever you go to where he's not only the hope for you and in that situation, he's the hope for all the people around you who hopefully are meeting an incredible Messiah through you. Let me leave you with this last verse. That's pretty miraculous in itself. There's hope that Aaron can preach in 27 minutes. There's hope. Including partial announcements still. It's a Christmas miracle. There's still communion, folks. There's still communion. That could be a 30-minute communion. You never know. Luke 19.10 says this. I want to summarize this message up in this. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It's not just who. He certainly, that is the big picture, the big C Christ. The big C is is he came to this earth without blemish through a virgin birth. He came to fulfill and 33 years later to be crucified and resurrected and welcoming us into an eternal life if we choose it, if we just accept him. It's a free gift of salvation. That's the big picture. But it wasn't just for who in sin. It was also that which was lost. And I just felt like a pressing message today to launch this with with hope because I feel hope is one of the things that's been lost in our culture. Even in Christianity, there has been so much fear. I believe peace has been lost. I believe joy has been lost. I believe fun has been lost. Kids have been lost. Truth has been lost. There's so many things that if we go through our life and and maybe tragedies or lies or whatever we start to believe or hold on to, things are lost. But Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save that which was lost. Not just who, but that. And I believe one of those things today is hope. Like hope's been lost. I believe there's hopelessness around us. There's, There's hopelessness, there's fear, there's anxiousness, there's frustration. I was, I was in an area this weekend, we were shopping and so many times different things were happening and leading me to just be frustrated and honestly fight some anger. My peace at times had been lost. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So why don't you stand with me? We'll end with communion in a moment, but there's this technique that, uh, that the Sozo team uses. And as we walk through life and at times we tend to lose things that the Lord gave us. Or let me, let me reword that. We tend to hold on to lies and hold on to things that the Lord never gave us. But let, me, let me put that in perspective. I was uh, having coffee. I went to get a coffee at Purebred and Kaylee and her sister was there. And they had this, I don't know what they were getting ready to work on. They're very creative. They were probably getting ready to work on a project of some sort. And they had a yardstick there on the counter. And I just jokingly, but then it became a prophetic word, like, hey, don't, don't pick up the measuring stick that God never gave you. You are worthy. You are valuable. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't have to measure yourself. God made you worthy. You are redeemed, right? 
redeemed of the Lord say so. We are his peculiar people. We are his royal priesthood, his chosen people. We don't need a measuring stick. And at times we hold on to these things and at times we're walking around in fear. We're walking around in hopelessness. We're walking around maybe in frustration or anger or anxiousness or depression. And I just feel like there's somebody here today or somebody watching online that's been struggling with depression to the point of even contemplating or at least fantasizing about suicide. Listen, God never gave you that. For God does not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. God is the God of hope. There is hope. There's hope beyond our circumstance. There's hope beyond our trial right now. There's hope beyond anything we may be walking through. Jesus is hope. And Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So there's this technique that I use with my children quite often. And a lot of times we're walking around with these things that the Lord never gave us and the Lord never intends for us to hold on to. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's these things. And what you do is you say, okay, God, I see that I have this and I'm going to give you this. And let me just tell you, there's an exchange that happens. Jesus exchanged his perfect life on the cross for us to be in eternity forever and forgive us of all sin. He exchanged our sin for forgiveness for freedom, for eternal life, right? And there's always this exchange. So if I, if I give him freer, he's probably going to give me love or peace. And let me just tell you, his exchange rate is always better than we give him, always. His return on investment is always really good. So there's this thing to where we offer up what we may be walking through or what we may be holding on to, and then we just ask him, Lord, what do you wanna give us in exchange for that? And then I'll say, okay, uh, one of my girls say, well, how are you feeling right now? Sad. Okay, why are you feeling sad? Try to get to the root. Okay, what, what does Jesus wanna do? He, he wants to replace that. Okay, so give him your sad. What's, what's he gonna give you in return? Joy. Oh, what's joy look like? And we talk about it and, all right, put it in your heart. So today, whether you're here in person or watching online, I would love to offer you an exchange. Jesus wants to offer you an exchange and maybe it's hope for hopelessness. Maybe it's, it's love or peace for fear. Maybe it's peace for frustration. Maybe it's trust for anxiousness or anxiety. So just with your minds, I just close your eyes. And if you're watching at home or online, just, just close your eyes. Just ask the Lord. He wants to seek and save that which was lost. What's that? What is that? What, what are you holding on to that was never yours to hold on to that's not God's plan for your life? Just begin to visualize whatever that feeling is, whatever that emotion is, whatever that lie is. And right now, just, just offer that up. Just package it up like in your hands in a visual way and just give it to the Lord. And then ask him, say, Lord, what do you give me in exchange for this? Let him answer you. Now receive that gift. On Jesus' birthday, we get gifts. So he's giving you this gift. I want you just to put that in your heart. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we, we come before you and we, we thank you, God. We thank you that you have replaced hopelessness with hope, that you came to seek and save that which was lost. For unto us a child is born, not just for us, but our situation, our circumstance, our trial, our trauma, our shame, God. You are God with us in our situation, in our life, in our daily walk. So Lord, we thank you for trading and exchanging fears for your love and peace, frustration with trust and peace, for sadness and, and anger with joy unspeakable. 
because we know in your presence is the fullness of joy. We know that the eternal promise is your hope and your eternal hope of glory. So we thank you for that uneven exchange that we don't deserve or really not even worthy for, but you love us so much. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for hope. We thank you that you were the lamb that was given for each of us. Let us present ourselves a living sacrifice. Let us worship you in spirit and in truth. Let us give ourselves and just love you and love others so well. We bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The first Sunday of every month, we do communion. And it's something we started a year or two ago, and we just want to make a, a habit of just coming to the Lord's table and having uh, an experience to remember him and doing the Lord's Supper and uh, breaking bread. So uh, I just want to read one passage before we do communion. And uh, if you need a communion cup, just raise your hand. Josh uh, will get you one. As he passes those out, I want to read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. This is Paul talking about the Last Supper, talking about it, and even uh, several scriptures before that. And in that chapter, previous chapter, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. I love this for today. It says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Isn't it amazing to know that we serve a Messiah that has went through and experienced everything we will experience here on earth? I love what James has shared with Nicole. And Jesus became the perfect example of how we navigate. One of those things was before he was the night when he was betrayed. But yet here's Jesus spending time. And it says, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, I, look, I took the cup of wine after supper saying, the cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Listen, hope was born, but how many know that hope is here and hope is returning? Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. There is a return to a bride. Jesus is coming back. We don't know the time. We don't know the day or the hour, but how many, I, I want to be ready, and I want to live every day, every moment of my life the same as if, as if there's no fear that something's going to change just because I want to love the Father. But the Bible says, as often as you do this until he returns, do it to remember him. You're announcing our public confession and recognizing that the bread is his body, that the juice or wine would be his blood. So just peel that first layer off. And if you're at home, you can use anything in symbolism. Maybe it's a pastry and coffee today. Maybe it's a cracker and water, whatever you have there. I think one day we did it at home and uh, all we had was Cheez-Its. We're like, this will have to do. So either way, it's in symbolism. So I'd love to pray for the bread that represents Jesus' body. So Lord, we thank you. And as we do this, we remember you. We publicly confess that this is your body. We thank you that you were broken so we could be made whole. We thank you that you are the bread of life. And Lord, we take this and we remember what happened to your body and how you were crucified and beaten for our transgressions, for our freedom, even our eternal life. We thank you for your body. In Jesus' name, just take the bread. Break bread together on our knees. Break bread together on our knees. Let me pray for the juice. Lord, we thank you for your blood. We 
thank you that there is more power in your blood than anything else the world can offer. We thank you for the covenant, the cleansing power of your blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for the covenant that's in your blood that unites us as one body here. So Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your bloodshed sacrifice for each of us and all of us. We bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, we remember you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, everybody have an amazing day, a week. Merry Christmas. Can't wait to see you next week. And remember, on the 27th, we start 10 a.m. Bless you guys.